what's better in life than a bottle of wine, great food, and an amazing conversation? My name is Kate Sullivan, and I am the host of To Dine For. I'm a journalist, a foodie, a traveler with an appetite for the stories of people who are hungry for more. Dreamers, visionaries, artists, those who hustle hard in the direction they love. I travel with them to their favorite restaurant to hear how they did it. This show is a toast to them and their American dream. Thank you to the sponsors of To Dine For The Podcast, American National and Spiritless. To Dine For The Podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. For 115 years, American National has remained committed to helping people and communities make a real difference in their lives. American National supports great local community organizations led by the kind of people you hear about on To Dine For, people who are inspired to make a difference and inspire others in return. American National's philosophy is helping where it's needed helps us all. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write, and the states in which they're licensed, visit americannational.com dine. Spiritless supports the conscientious cocktailer who wants to live fully but drink differently. Their signature Kentucky 74 is a distilled non-alcoholic spirit for your favorite bourbon cocktails. It's zero alcohol zero guilt, and just 15 calories per serving. Whether you go completely spiritless or go halfsies with a foolproof bourbon to lower the ABV in your cocktail, you can get your bottle today at spiritless.com. Use promo code to dine for to get free shipping. Welcome to To Dine For, the podcast, where we meet the world's most creative and innovative minds at their favorite restaurant. On today's episode is the CEO and founder of Hatch, Ariane Goldman. You can't give up. You have to keep fighting for it and knocking on every door. Humility and gusto and hunger. I mean, that is like the recipe to how I've gotten here. I have not stopped. (laughs) And there's no, you know, at the same time, so many years later, I just feel like I haven't even begun, which is the coolest part. Ariane Goldman is a serial entrepreneur who is innovating the maternity wear space with her fun, fashion forward line of clothes and products for the expectant mother. It's called Hatch. Ariane's story is a fascinating one and a study in taking calculated risks. After working on Wall Street for many years in her 20s, Ariane struck out in a bold direction with a company called Two Birds to create bridesmaid dresses that women can buy and enjoy beyond the wedding date. In 2011, she took that same desire to fill a need in the market with a new idea. She was pregnant and realized the options for fashionable clothes were limited. The journey to create Hatch was not without doubt, difficulties, and an upward climb. Please enjoy my interview with Ariane Goldman. Ariane, thank you so much for joining me on To Dime for the podcast. It's so great to see you this morning. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, Normally, under normal circumstances, you and I would be dining at your favorite restaurant, and we would learn a little bit more about you through the lens of where you love to eat. And I know that you are currently in Manhattan and have built your businesses there. Tell me, where would you take me of all the places you could take me to your favorite restaurant? Of all places, I'd probably take you to Raul's in Soho. I love Raul's. Stomping ground, the best. Um, I've kind of grown up there, uh, lived in Soho in the West Village for the last 15 years. 
And whether it's with my husband or my kid or just by myself, I stop there constantly all the time, either to catch up and work, have their burger, have a martini. It's just my go-to spot. And that's where we would have been. Oh, steak and frites, right? Steak and frites and uh, their profiteroles. (laughs) They are just such a wonderful little neighborhood gem and so much character there. And what's so amazing right now in New York is the restaurant scene here, what's happening on the streets of New York is just magnificent. It was obviously a really hard time during the pandemic, but people have kind of created their own space outside on the streets and the cities allowed them to enlarge their footprint. And it's just been magic. And so I was sitting there in my parka in December having <laughs> a martini and my steak frite um, the same way I'm doing last week um, you know, in a, in a summer dress. So it's just fantastic that I've been able to continue the tradition of going there despite the closures in New York. Yeah. And- supporting local restaurants, no matter the weather, no matter the situation, uh, no matter the pandemic, always being there and showing up. I love that. It's amazing. New York, uh, you know, a lot of people were concerned that New York spirit was down and that it was empty in the streets and everybody was moving away. You just can't beat this place up. You can't, no one's leaving. It's a spirit that just rises when, when it's beckoned and it's just uh, the spirit right now is just fantastic. And that creative spirit is a great segue into some of the work that you've done. You know, it's funny, you haven't always been an entrepreneur, but, you know, reading your story, it it appears that you're an entrepreneur at heart. Can you, first of all, can you take me back to your early career? What did you do and what were you, what was your vision back then, like straight out of college? You know, I really, some of us are born with a natural talent and, you know, I, I feel, um, I'm, I admire those that kind of um, go into school, know what they want to study and they've chosen what they want to be from a very early age. I always wanted to connect dots and create something. And for me, that was in the form of business. And so I went to undergraduate business school at the University of Michigan, phenomenal program. Mm-hmm. I got sports and I got academia and it was just the most wonderful experience. And from there, I got an internship at American Express, mm-hmm. which is a phenomenal company to work for. Um, I came back to New York and spent um, the first nine years of my career kind of climbing this corporate mm-hmm. ladder, um, going, starting in acquisitions and trying to get sexier and sexier as I got through my career. Um, and ended up in global sponsorship. So everywhere American Express kind of um, put their money behind and sponsored, I would do all the programming and the relationship building with people like the US Open or Fashion Week. And so it got me into the New York uh, world and and where I grew up um, in terms of meeting people, connecting dots and making things happen, which was always kind of my passion. Okay, that's really interesting. So I think a lot of people are in that position, you know, in their 20s and 30s, where they're climbing the corporate ladder, they got the job, right? And they're surviving, and they're thriving, and they're doing well, but something feels amiss. Something must have felt amiss for you to make the very risky decision to go into entrepreneurship. Do you remember that day? Or was it more like it was building? It was building. You know, I was getting later and later in my 20s, and I was so happy and content in this wonderful organization. And I was learning a lot. But the the higher you get in an organization, the more you become a people leader and the less you are actually able to affect change with your own hands. Mm-hmm. And having been born, uh, my parents are both entrepreneurs. They've always run their own businesses. So I grew up, you know, on the floor of the Javits Center, um, <laughs> hustling and working with them to grow their businesses. And so it's just inside me that I had that um, I needed to light that match. And so um, I found myself years into this thinking, well, is this really my future? I'm, I'm pretty young still, and I want to make things happen. And so that's when I started to look around and I decided to um, go to Parsons at night for interior design ah. to just start creative juices. 
And lo and behold, it wasn't that that I wanted to do, but it just got me out of the box. It allowed myself the freedom, allowed me the freedom to think about doing other things. And that's when I got engaged to my husband and realized that there was a void in the market for bridesmaids dresses. And um, I started, uh, I made them for my own wedding. It was a huge success. I started a side hustle while I was still at American Express making these dresses. The word got out. I got on the Martha Stewart show and um, I was building enough momentum for me to have the confidence to leave American Express and start this first business of mine full time. Okay. And just in what you just said, there are so many little lessons, like in just your last couple of sentences, I, I love the idea of reaching out and finding a, a creative outlet that may not be the thing, but may lead to the thing, right? Because it allows you to think outside of your American Express world to think of all the other opportunities and possibilities that might exist. And, and, and the, the fact that you're, you're allowing your mind to think what could be at the same time that you're getting married and going through the stress of bridesmaid dress shopping and all that that goes with, you must have seen a void in the marketplace. What was that void? Is it called Two Birds? Was that your first? Birds, yeah. It's one dress that wraps over um, 15 ways, one size fits all for all shapes and bodies. It's just the miracle dress. And I had bridesmaids who all had different shapes and sizes and preferences, and I wanted to make them um, happy and feel good at my wedding. And so just in my own experience, I found that there was this gap in the market for, and this was years ago, I don't want to date myself, but it was many <laughs> years ago when the tradition was every woman should be in the exact same dress, mm -hmm. which obviously doesn't allow every woman to feel their individual style. And so I thought that that was really ridiculous. And if your girls or your favorite people close to you are spending a couple of hundred dollars on a dress, why not invest in something that makes you feel great? Sure. And so I came upon a vintage Norma Kamali dress that wrapped all these ways. And I said, well, this is very cool. And that's when I realized that, you know, there weren't many options out there to be a modern bridesmaid. And though the light bulb went off and the reaction on down the aisle when these girls were walking down the aisle was so phenomenal, I knew I was onto something. And then I got calls from friends of friends and I started making these dresses. And truthfully, it was a snowball effect. The momentum just kept driving. And, and then I got my break on the Martha Stewart show, which was just unbelievable. I mean, that aired multiple times in multiple countries. It allowed me to open in Australia. Somebody called me from Australia and said, I want to be your business partner here. I took a duffel bag of these dresses to um, Notting Hill, London and opened up a little shop there. So I, I spent the next four years just having fun with this new concept and getting out of my system, everything that was pent up mm. while I was kind of in a wonderful job, but not necessarily um, shining in terms of what I wanted to be doing on the inside. So at this point, you make the transition from American Express to doing this fully, right? Or, or are you still at American Express? Full time. Full time. In these four years that you're having fun and you're really trying to build a business, what is your biggest pain point? Obviously, getting on the Martha Stewart show is, is such a boon because that is allows you to get the press that you needed and the exposure. But what would you say was the biggest pain point during that time? Not knowing, uh, you know, I was a one woman show and I didn't know when to hire someone or how mm -hmm. to ask for help. And I was getting this, you know, tons of inbounds. And I, you know, I was only one person. I was living out of, you know, working out of the apartment, really understanding how to be an entrepreneur without raising money and trying to figure this thing out on my own. You know, I kind of fell into this and it worked and I got really lucky. It was a really good idea. I worked my tush off to make this happen. And I, I think, you know, it was just not knowing what to do next and just having to feel it out. But in retrospect, that's kind of the best moment, right? Mm. Is that you don't know how to do this. You have to figure it out on your own. And as long as you believe in your product, um, you'll likely be successful if you keep pounding the pavement and asking the questions you need to ask. So how did you transition from two birds to hatch? When did that happen? And why did that happen? 
Well, um, after four years of marriage, I got pregnant and I realized (laughs) that there was um, yet another white space in the market for maternity wear. And I was shocked to believe that, you know, I launched two birds at the time of Warby Parker and a lot of these, um, you know, modern direct to consumer businesses. So e-com was really, you know, it's really abundant and lots of options around us for everything that we needed. I was very surprised when I got pregnant, how few options there were for me to feel like somebody was listening in the maternity space. And um, I was excited. It's like when you go couch shopping, right? You don't normally notice couches, but when you're in the market, you start to notice everything about couches. Well, here I was, uh, you know, embarking on this next journey of my life. And there was no one about to tell me in my voice and language, there was no one there to talk to me about what I was about to expect, no pun intended. <laughs> I was I was just surprised. And so I said, well, let's do this again. It's another life moment. Nobody's talking to me. There must be millions of other women feeling the same pain points. And so I launched Hatch with a different business model, direct to consumer, with 12 key pieces that I thought every woman would need during pregnancy, but also be able to wear again after pregnancy. So yet again, you're investing in something that you can wear again after this life event. I mean, both Two Birds and Hatch share that commonality of um, you don't have to be ostracized. You don't have to waste money. You can be smart and thoughtful, feel your best self and not have to, you know, dispose of the garment. So the business model was to to put basically 12 items, not in stores, but direct to consumer on a website that people could shop, peruse and then buy. And were you marketing through Instagram or how were you getting the word out then? So I didn't, you know, I I lent myself some money from Two Birds to build the website and buy some minimal inventory. But at the time I had paid acquisition and Instagram. That wasn't, you know, this was 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. That wasn't the name of the game. Building a brand then, especially in my eyes, and it still remains, is for me ground up, organic. Get the word out on the street, gift people, get women in your clothes, get them talking about it. I mean, obviously in today's world, it's it's a much different game because you can acquire customers on top pretty quickly if you have some, you know, if you fundraise or if you have some money. But at the time it was really grassroots and ground up. And so PR and, you know, fortunately I'm a New York girl. So I I had some um, friends who were editors who supported the brand early on, but in truth, I launched the the website, this beautiful website, thinking that if you build it, they shall come. Mm -hmm. And for the first three months, nobody showed up. (laughs) (laughs) So so there you are, right? You you know you have a beautiful product. You know it fills a need. and, And you're in a position that a lot of entrepreneurs are where you're trying really hard, but no customers. What do you do then? We'll have more on this conversation in just a minute. But first, thank you to our sponsors. To Dine For the podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. There's a funny thing about most insurance commercials, whether they feature lizards or birds or funny cartoon characters. It seems like they want you to think about anything but insurance. American National, on the other hand, has real local agents who get to know you so they can help you reach better decisions about your insurance to make sure you're protecting what matters most to you. American National Agents are part of your community. They're your neighbors. So whether it's solutions for your home, your small business, your farm, or your life, you can count on your local American National Agent to make sure you get the discounts you deserve and the protection you need without paying for extras you don't. With American National, you get an ally, not just a web page. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write in the states in which they're licensed, visit AmericanNational.com slash dine. If you're like me, there are times when you want to feel like you're having a fancy cocktail, but you don't actually want the alcohol. So I love Kentucky 74 from Spiritless. 
It's a distilled, non-alcoholic spirit for your favorite bourbon cocktails, but with just 15 calories per serving and none of the guilt. You can pre-order your bottle today at spiritless.com. Use the promo code to dine for to get free shipping. Now back to our conversation. You're in a position that a lot of entrepreneurs are where you're trying really hard, but no customers. What do you do then? Oh, I was crying for nights. And I just oh. said to my husband, um, and mind you, I had a newborn baby in my arms. So, you know, I was emotional as well. And mm-hmm. I just said to my husband, Max, I said, you know, I think I really might have screwed this one up, but thanks for believing in me. And I'm, I'm not done yet, but I think this might've been a mistake. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, you know, I just, we're talking about three transactions a week, five transactions a week, nothing that could cover the cost of running a, a website right. and a business. I mean, true despair. <laughs> and then one day I got a call um, from a style writer at the New York Times who had gotten word that someone was trying to kind of combat this white space and and get in there. And she believed in the concept so much and wrote something in the New York Times. And while the Times doesn't necessarily convert to revenue right away, Mm -hmm. it definitely is a credibility builder. And from there, things just start, it was a catalyst and things just started to happen. And, you know, when I look back on that moment, it was patience and resilience and a fundamental belief that this was needed in the marketplace. I think um, the important thing to remember and to realize is that it just doesn't happen overnight. Yeah, <laughs> it, it sounds like with this one, you just kept going, right? You, even if you, you had that moment with your husband, and you said this might not work, you just kept going. You have no choice. You know, sometimes this desperation, this need is everything. It's the drive that breeds success. You can't give up. You have to keep fighting for it and knocking on every door. Humility and gusto and hunger. I mean, that is like the recipe to how I've gotten here. I have not stopped. (laughs) And there's no, you know, at the same time, so many years later, I just feel like I haven't even begun, which is the coolest part. Amazing. So now you, you tell us where you are. If you started with 12 pieces that every expectant mother should have. What do you, where are you now? Oh my gosh, we are the world of. So 12 key pieces turned into four collections a year. It turned into trunk shows across the country, partnerships with Net-A-Porter and amazing retailers. I have two and a half stores now, meaning that um, we were about to open our third store on the Upper East Side of Manhattan um, in March of last year, right as the pandemic hit. Yeah, so we had to drop the mic on that one. But good news is, is that we really believe in retail. We believe that people are going to come out of the woodwork and shop. We're seeing the numbers turn around now. So um, we were able to extend the lease and we're going to be opening this fall. So store number three is coming soon. You got to come to Chicago. I'm coming. We're coming to Chicago. We're going to go to San Francisco (laughs) and Dallas. We're coming to um, some of the top cities. We're very excited about that. But just, you know, we had to be super lean um, in the last year, really focus on my team, the people first. I mean, what's happened to all of us individually, you can't be successful unless the people that work for you feel good and know that they're supported. And so I had to pivot you know, at the beginning of this thing to really prioritize what was going to keep us going through this. And it's just been a phenomenal, a phenomenal run. We have a clean, um, non-toxic mama beauty line, which is so awesome. And listening to my customers over the years and building that credibility, I was able to understand that they really were looking for a trusted source for some of the solutions to things that they go through during pregnancy. And I'm, you know, we, we just decided to go into non-toxic, beautiful um, skincare and, and um, solution-based formulas for, for these ailments. And so now we're this world of and a one-stop shop, hopefully for women going through an embarking on this journey. Sometimes what it takes to be successful, to hang in there, to have that grit, to keep going is so taxing that it takes a toll 
on who we are and our soul. You seem like an incredibly driven and resilient person. Has there been a time where you're like, my gosh, this has taken a lot out of me? Oh. <laughs> Kate, every literally, I call this a, a, a it's a dodgeball game. I mean, constantly there are things happening. I mean, I think wisdom has given me and and my senior team just some thick skin to not flinch that much anymore when these <laughs> things happen. Whether our inventory is stuck in customs because you know of of new legislation that just went into effect, or if uh, a factory burned down or literally you can't write some of this stuff <laughs> I, that's been happening and it is exhausting and paralyzing. And so I check in and I, I do have a CEO coach, which really helps me. Um, it's, it's really important that I'm able to talk to someone because I certainly don't want to bore my husband about it. And I do need an outlet to just kind of vent because right. it's so, I, it is wrenching. It's an uphill battle constantly and it's not easy, but I check in every day to make sure that I'm still having fun with it because mm -hmm. I believe so much in in what we're doing. Mm. We're making women smile. We're talking about things like miscarriages and um, the taboos around a body after having a baby. And we're opening up conversations now so much more than just product. We now have a community that we're working with and fostering. And so the meaning behind what I created, which I never I never realized it was going to lead here, but it so beautifully has, has kept the spirit high when all these dodgeballs kind of, <laughs> you know, hit us in the face. It is endless. I mean, just over COVID, three of my six senior team went on maternity leave at the exact same time. And the irony wow. of it all is that I'm a maternity company. Right? So, so you have to be supportive. And that's a blessing. It's amazing and fantastic. But you could imagine, yes. I mean, I was incredibly fearful and nervous and, um, and my team needed leadership more than ever. And here I was having to support both the temporary departure of three key women and the fact that uh, we needed to unify during this time. So yes, Needless to say, there's too many. There will be a book that comes out down the line of chapters and chapters of, of the stuff that happens to build things. But nothing great in life, I think, comes that easy. So mm -hmm. I think it's just par for the course, right? Well, I also love, you know, the word hatch, right? It's such a beautiful word because it says everything, right? That something is coming out of an, of an eggshell. But the, the tap, tap, tapping of an eggshell to get something out of it is not is not a you know painless process right it it involves a lot of hitting over and over again until that egg shell breaks right so i think it's sort such an interesting metaphor for the work that you do right and how you have hatched so to speak yeah and you know often i'm asked the question like if you knew um, what advice would you give to your younger self mm -hmm. and the truth is <laughs> Had I known any of this or how difficult it would be, I probably would be too nervous to and, and too daunted to continue and, and to drive forward. I think some of this is not having any clue what you're getting into <laughs> and just figuring it out on the fly. And I'm okay with that yeah. day by day. And I'll tell you the truth. When we talk about restaurants and Raul's, it's the martinis on the way home that have saved me many <laughs> nights <laughs> to bring it full circle from some of the misery that you have to go through to build these things. Um, Thank so I'm not God gonna for Raul's. Thank God for Raul's martinis. <laughs> I have certain vices. I'm not going to lie. I love it. Well, you know, it's so interesting. I'm really fascinated by the way people stay inspired. I think back to when you started taking Parsons uh, classes at night just to get your creative juices flowing. Even though you're now running this company, you're still very much a creative at heart. And I'm wondering how you personally stay inspired, especially now moving forward, trying to get hatched to the next level, right? There's always another higher level. Give me a little sense of what you do to stay inspired. 
So first and foremost, for me personally, travel is number one, um, seeing different people, cultures, fabrics, tastes, lipsticks, and, you know, styles, fashion, all of it, it just drives me crazy in the best possible way, crazy with excitement. And that's where I get the inspiration to come back and kind of somehow weave it into what I'm doing, both as an entrepreneur, but also as a mother and the life that we want to live, you know, given this one shot that I think we have. Secondly, I have to say that I'm so fortunate right now to have a senior team who gives me the space to re-inspire myself. For so many years, my head has been down in a tunnel, building this thing, dealing with everything myself, approving every email, taking every call, fielding every outbound. And finally, I now have these wonderful people underneath me who are taking a lot of that load off so that I can get the space back so I can build this company forward. And I never really understood what that meant until I got here. And, um, you know, that inspires me greatly. My people inspire me greatly, which, you know, I haven't really ever thought of people being a huge inspiration, the ones close to me. But but now as I get wiser and um, more down the pike with the brand, it's critical and it's so important. And, and they help me see uh, see the light and get the space to kind of continue the, the journey. Um, you mentioned that travel inspires you. I'm wondering how has travel influenced how you've designed clothes for women all over the globe, because you are a global company, because different pregnant women approach fashion in a different way, correct? Absolutely. I mean, fundamentally, I think as women, having a, a, a garment on yours or something on you that makes you feel good, that allows you to grow and contract without having to change your size or having to like, you know, do too much of snaps and buckles and all that stuff. I think we, a lot of us, regardless of where we're from, agree that it just feels good to put something beautiful on your body. And so that's the philosophy behind Hatch. It's kind of less fuss, more um, room to breathe, but still being chic. And since we're all busy, just it's just easy and one-stop shop out the door. So that philosophy really does, um, I believe, kind of all, you know, really uh, attract all different types of women from all different cultures and uh, tastes and preferences and all that good stuff. Um, it's on my journeys when I'm traveling that I've met some amazing people that help me make the clothes. And so when I was in Morocco, I met one of my now best friends who has his own atelier there, and he's woven many collections for me. And it's in these journeys that, you know, I, I don't want to sound cheesy, but I fall in love with the process and then I bring it home and I, um, I kind of put it into the work, which is so incredibly rewarding. And here, and then you're collaborating with someone that you respect so much and you're bringing in this craftsmanship and this beauty to a product that you're then giving out to, to customers. It's just fantastic. I often ask people, what is their favorite part of the job or what do they think they're uniquely good at? And from what you just said, I'm getting the sense that that is where your real passion lies, at, at being able to, to travel, to source, to design, and then to see it come to life. Is that true? There's nothing better. Going out there, tasting, touching, feeling, seeing, smelling, and then bringing it back and bottling it in a way that makes people feel better, mm. right? Um, because people need this. So how can I, can I, how can I gather this? I'm like a junkie. How can I gather all of this stuff and then bring it into and, and make it part of the brand? And that's why opening stores was so important because a website's amazing, but it's only two dimensional, right? So coming into a store and, and smelling the smell and touching the fabric and, and seeing the textiles, it's, um, it's a 360 experience. And, and that's what Hatch is. It's a world of pregnancy can be lonely for a lot of women. And so I'm just so thrilled to create something that makes people feel a part of something and attached to. 
Unbelievable, so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing your story today. I hope the next time I see you, it's at Raul's with the martini in hand. (laughs) (laughs) I'll see you there. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much, Ariane. Have a great day. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to To Dine For The Podcast. For more information on the show, the guests, and the podcast, head to todinefortv.com. You can find us on Instagram at todinefortv and Facebook at todinefortwithkatesullivan. Thanks to the sponsors of To Dine For The Podcast, American National and Spiritless. Special thank you to producer and sound editor John Golner. To the loyal followers of this program, cheers, stay hungry, and stay inspired. I'll see you back at the table soon. 